Hello, everyone, and welcome to Placing Faces, the show where we sit down with some of the most influential casting directors in all of Hollywood and across the entertainment spectrum. I am your host, Charlie Chappell, and today we've got a special episode with two, count them, two casting directors, Ardios Award-winning in 2020, congratulations to you both, Amber Horn and Danielle Alfiero. These are two super awesome and extremely wonderful casting directors hailing from two different parts of the world, seemingly brought together by fate. Such a unique pair of humans that are so much fun to talk to and extremely passionate about what they do. These two have cast together for years, first working together on the Sundance Sweetheart Sound of My Voice with Britt Marling and Zalbat Manglij, and since then, work has begotten work. They have cast a ton of television like Andy Mack, The OA, and The 100, some incredible indie films like Cheap Thrills, Live Cargo, and Battle Creek, just to name a few. There are so many things that we're going to talk about, so we're just going to jump right in, and I hope that you learn as much as I did. Again, thank you so much. This is thank lovely. You. I like your office. How long have you been co-working space offices? We've been here, um, we've been in this office space since January. Um, Amber found it last year before they were actually open, mm-hmm. um, and we moved in in January. We were in Larchmont for two or three years before that, and we were on Wilshire and La Brea many years before that. Where a lot of casting yeah. is. It's the cheapest office space in, in town. Okay. Is And they do, uh, maybe they don't anymore, but they do uh, month to month. So okay. because we're freelance, it, it's yeah. conducive to our job. Yeah. Well, how do you like it on this side of town now? Uh, we both live on the west side, so... Ah, so you were making your trip this over. This is selfish. This move. Great. Yeah. It just cut our commute in less than half than yeah. what we're doing to Larchmont. Because, yeah. like, L.A. commute yeah. every day, and hours. we both love Culver and, and this neighborhood, and they're building those Culver steps and yeah. the thick of it. Yeah, like you're right here where yeah. all of the action is happening here in Golden. Yeah. It's really nice. I, and we did get a little confused on the space. We weren't expecting it to be a co-working space. Yeah. But uh, it's really, and it's a quieter co-working space than a lot it's of the small. ones that I've been yeah. to. It's, yeah, It's smaller. We, we met with a lot of them. We saw a bunch of different options. And this is the this was the most, we like making our office feel like home. Mm-hmm. And this felt the homiest. Yeah. How is it? having actors coming in and out of the space. It seems really nice. It seems um, fine. I mean, we've been first, managing the sessions yeah, the to first, not have too many people waiting. Yeah. yeah. The first six years, um, Danielle and I have been partners. We're, we'll be starting our 10th year in July. Which is oh, wow. 2000, yeah. we, 2010 was when we started our company. Yeah. yeah. The first six years, we were um, in the build, the Samsung building, the Asahi building mm-hmm. at the corner of Wilshire and La Brea, and our actors would wait in the hallway and then we had one little waiting room but the overflow was into the hallway and um, this feels like they actually have like a waiting area that they wait in oh yeah and so it feels more like there's like a big but the waiting area that they're in also is a co-working space so there's people waiting Mm -hmm. and we're we're told often that our actors are like entertainment for the building because (laughs) when the actors are waiting out there sometimes the people that are working like for um you know a a law firm or they're working for um you know the 
I don't know, someone who's like moving ships or starting an app, they have nothing to do with obviously our production, but actors, when they walk by, actors might think that they're like part of the production, so they'll like sit up straight or a young actor will like ask them a question. Um, and <laughs> so, put up a few signs. Yeah, yeah, we've had to put up a few signs and stuff. Leave so the coworkers alone. Yeah, so well, the, this office at the co-working space will have happy hour and stuff, so they've told us a few funny stories mm-hmm. about young actors asking them questions yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that's funny. Um, well, generally how we start uh, is at the beginning. Um, I want to ask you guys, where do you come from and how did you get here? Which is a very broad question, but yeah. uh, I think that opens it up to your story, your journey. So um, so I'm from New York. Okay. And I had a couple of different career paths before I found this career path. Mm-hmm. This was always a dream job that I didn't think I could be in because I didn't have any experience. Sure. Um, I majored in literature and marketing, which had nothing to do with the entertainment business. But um, That's probably informed taste, though. Sure. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've always loved watching movies and watching TV and wondering how people got jobs and wondering how how it all came together. Mm -hmm. And I thought I wanted to be an actor in high school, and then my drama teacher did an on-camera day, and I was like... It's not for me. <laughs> what was it about it that wasn't for it you? It was there was a combination of I don't like seeing myself on tape, and uh, I didn't think I was as good as I should have been. Oh. So it was a, it was a little bit of the now I know I'm a good judge of this. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> and that kind of sparked the idea of I wonder what that job's about casting. And after college, I had a couple of different career paths that I was so unhappy in, but I would always be asking. Does anybody know anybody? Anyone know any casting directors? And there was really there weren't that many in New York at the time, mm-hmm. and there wasn't um, uh, and and I didn't know how to meet them or get in get in there. So yeah, uh, I, I through different ways wound up interning and and loved it immediately. Mm-hmm. I knew that was that the this was for me. It sounds like casting was the thing for a long time. Why? It was something I noted when I, uh, like, my favorite movie is The Lost Boys, which Marion Doherty cast. Yeah. And I noticed her name all over the place. Oh. And it was when the credits, that she always had main title billing. Yeah, she and did. And when the credits came, I would, I would see her name and just think, I would just fantasize about what that job must be like and how cool it must be and getting to meet all sorts of people and uh-huh. getting to tell the story from the beginning when the director or the, the filmmakers and the producers come to us and the writer and all of it. When they come to us, they're coming to us with a conception, and we kind of have to help them. We're the first people on board, basically. Yeah. So we're you start the ones coloring that, things. Yeah, we're the ones that start with. Um, we have to set the bar. Yeah. So we learned that in our very first feature, our our director said to us, "You know, you guys worked so hard. You really set the bar for everyone else." Mm-hmm. And I've taken that to heart since then. It's, huh. it's, it's a, so that it's early a responsibility. responsibility and the early realization that you hit that responsibility. Yeah helped ingrain yeah. that in you is something that you wanted to continue to do. Yeah. Exactly. By first feature, is when that... When we started on our own. When you first started yeah, on your own, so Sound, Sound of My, of my voice. voice. Right. Um, I was working for Carmen, Cu- Carmen Cuba at the time, and she had gotten this script. She knew the director. She knew Zal. And um, she just wasn't able to do it. It was super... It was ultra low budget. Mm-hmm. And she just said, I can't do this. We had, we had just... Uh, a project we were doing went away. So she was like, why don't you go meet on this? and see how it goes. Yeah. I didn't know how to go in a meeting. I didn't know anything. And I just, like, pencil wrote a list of ideas. I loved the script from the moment I read it. Yeah. 
and meeting, I met with Zal and Britt and sat, sitting down at the table, I was like, oh, you must be Maggie. Maggie is this cult leader from the future. Oh, yeah. And no, she, Britt is just so, yeah, yeah, she's so magnetic and yeah. ethereal and mm-hmm. but approachable and she's just, she just shines when you meet her. Mm-hmm. So it kind of was, it was clear. Yeah. And they, they liked that I just thought that from the beginning. And then there was a few uh, names on the list that they were like, how do you know this person? How do you know this person? And I'm like, I just, you know, pay attention. I, we, we read a lot of so people. So you were speaking the same language already when you yeah, found that Yeah, we were. Right? And, yeah. and because uh, they were paying, it, it was ultra low budget, it was really low pay. So I called Amber. We had worked together for other casting directors. Mm-hmm. So I knew of her and I just said, look, I got this movie. They're basically paying nothing, but it's awesome. Do you want to do it with me? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, let's do it. And then while we were on that movie, we got a call about another movie. and Work kind begets of work. Work begets work. we did work. like three movies in like three months. Yeah. Or something. But her story is different on um, how she got into casting. Yeah, how did, how did you get into A little into bit different. I, um, I never wanted to be an actor. I always um, wanted to be a casting director. You did? Yeah. So a lot of um, casting directors were actors at one point or had a little bit of a different path. I loved watching the show Full House when I was younger. Yeah. And I loved, like, the guest stars and co-stars. I always paid attention to, like, the person who had, like, one line and stuff, and I was always interested in that. And um, when what, I... What was it about those, the one-liners roles? and the smaller roles that caught your attention I on that show? I was just always curious how they got there, where they found them. I knew someone was doing that, but I didn't know what that job was when I was a kid. I didn't uh-huh. know who did that. And I was always interested in that. I was always paying attention to those characters. I would really pay attention when I would watch other shows and be like, oh, that was the person that played the one line in that show and would try to figure it out Mm -hmm. and figure out who that actor was and really find their name in the credits and like figure out who that was and stuff. I was really interested in that. And then um, when I was in university, I switched from business major to film, and I nominated myself as the casting director for like our senior film, and nobody voted for me. They all voted for me as to be the producer. I was really good at bringing people together, connecting people. And, um, and then when I came out here, I worked in um, development, and that was like right before 9-11 happened. Um, 9-11 happened, and I was like, gosh, I wasn't really enjoying working in development. I worked at a pretty well-known production company, and I decided, okay, well, I guess I'll go to law school, as you do, and you don't know what you want to do. I went home that, <laughs> as you do. Yeah, right? <laughs> Everyone decides, okay, I guess I'll go back to school. So I went home that Christmas break. We had a water heater gas leak. Our house combusted, blew up. Your um, house blew up? Yeah. Uh, everyone got out, okay. And um, we went and we stayed with a family friend, and they were good friends with um, the Bruckheimers. And um, they, uh, this woman who runs the uh, Christiane Reed, who's the like the head of production over there at the time, she had said to me, "Well, we're doing um, a drama, a one-hour drama, and we hired um, this casting office, uh, Barbara Fiorentino's office, and they're currently casting this project for us. Would you like to go meet with them?" And I. So I went to go meet with them on the weekend. They were losing their casting assistant. And I said, oh, I really want to work in casting. They had offered me a job to work, um, potentially to go meet to work um, as an assistant to a producer over there at Bruckheimer. And I was like, no, 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 I really want to work in casting. I thought I'd shot myself in the foot because who, like, turns who down a job? says no to a good job yeah. in the, yeah. And so um, I was like, oh, no, I thought I shot myself in the foot. And then that's when, like, the phone rang a couple hours later. 
Um, and they said, well, we actually have this casting job that opened up and um, they're losing their casting assistant. So I went on a weekend to go meet with them and um, they hired me and um, yeah, so I worked with them for several years and that's where I met Danielle um, initially. When I met Danielle, I was like, oh wow, she's really smart and funny and amazing. And um, that's where we originally met. And during the writer's strike, I actually went back to Texas um, and started working with young actors. And that's when I really fell in love with young actors. Um, my mom lived in a neighborhood that had a bunch of young actors that needed help going on tape. That's when kind of like the self-taping thing um, got popular. And there were, it hadn't really taken off quite yet, but people that lived out of town always needed to go on tape. Um, mm. Really VHS tapes, DVDs, um, high you know, they always needed to tape themselves and um, they needed go help going on tape that um, that holiday. And so um, during the actor strike, I'm sorry, during the writer strike, I started taping them and then I just continued falling in love taping them. And I helped another casting director at the time, Krisha Bullock, who was here, tape. And I taped four kids who ended up in the untitled Dan Schneider Christmas project. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was really good at taping young actors and helping them and I fell in love with them. But there were a lot of um, a lot of kids um, in Texas at the time that I remember really um, Whereabouts being in able Texas? To help. Um, well, so my I grew up in Dallas, like right off in North Dallas, like right off Preston and Campbell. I went to Hockaday for um, lower part of elementary school. I um, went to SMU for universities where mm -hmm. I graduated from. Um, I graduated from Pierce High School, which was the high school I went to. Even though our house was in Dallas, for whatever reason, the school district I went to was in um, Richardson, was the school district. Okay. But um, yeah, and um, so yeah, that's um, that's kind of like the story of how I got into casting. But I always really liked um, putting people together. I liked the creative part of it, and I feel like I can communicate effectively with um, with kids and speak their language and really get pull it out of them and get them to understand what it is that I want them to do and um, yeah so I was well really and that's a, a skill set in and of itself as yeah coaching a kid through doing especially some of this like really dramatic stuff yeah and, and, and having teaching to someone to audition is very different than how the um, very very different than how they're actually going to perform and looking at sides like sides were not written for an audition like sides are pulled from a script mm -hmm. and when a screenwriter writes um, a movie they're writing it how they see how they want it to be shot and it's going to be like a two shot of like of the scene, like if it's like the four of us sitting, it'll be like a shot of like the four of us and then a close up of you and then a close up of me and then like an establishing shot of like all of us talking. But the audition is just like you the whole time, right? So my job is to show like the young actor of like, how are we gonna get someone to wanna watch you for seven minutes do this audition of the shot, this like of you the whole time, right? So I'm trying to make the actor understand that it's your job is to realize that the most important person in the scene is not you, it's the person you're talking to, mm -hmm. to make everything you do about the other person. When you're shooting the audition, everything you have, you're doing is about the other person, not yourself. It's about connecting to the other person. Where did your no that knowledge for you come from? Watching thousands of auditions. Yeah, and seeing the ones that were working off of that other person. And as even as an assistant and as an associate, in one hour, TV and we did like a lot of one-hour Bruckheimer dramas, we did a lot of one-hour procedurals. Every week we had a different director and every week they would come in and I was the assistant, the associate at the time, sitting on the floor and I would go, okay you guys, we're going to watch Sally's. And I'd sit there with the VHS tape with my finger on the 
pause and record <laughs> and the, the play. And I'd go, okay, ready? We're going to watch the Sally. Is everyone ready? They'd go, they'd nod, and I'd hit play. I'd go, here's Jane. And then about 10 seconds into watching Jane, they'd start looking down at their Blackberries or their flip phones. And I'd go, oh, okay, they don't want to watch Jane anymore. Okay, ready? Here's Sally. <laughs> and then a few seconds into Sally, then they'd stop looking. Okay, right? But when we got to Francis, and Francis made it about the person she was talking to, uh. they'd start paying attention. But the story I always use is um, we were doing an episode of The E-Ring, and it was Benjamin Bratt and Dennis Hopper. And this is a story I always do, I always teach people, is that there was an episode, and um, Benjamin Bratt's character, they were in like every episode of that show, this um, something tragic happened in the Middle East, and these women come in, and they were coming in, their daughter had been kidnapped in the Middle East, and they come in, and the episode is, the woman's crying, she's bawling, and she's like, my daughter's been kidnapped, my daughter's been kidnapped, you have to help me, she's talking to Benjamin Bratt's character. And the guy who was directing it, um, he was in the original Starsky and Hutch, and he directs a lot of one-hour mm -hmm. one episodic. He's very well-known. And he had wanted this particular actor to get the job. And our job as assistants or associates, associates at the time, we were to take the hi tape and then we were to go burn it to the DVD and then we were to have a messenger service come around and send it around to all the, the houses at NBC or mm -hmm. CBS, whichever network it was on, NBC at the time. So he wanted this particular actor to get the job. So he said to her, this time I want you to make me feel like you're going to hurt me if I don't help you or make me feel guilty that it's my fault, even though that's not what the episode's about. Sure. But... All the women in the scene, what they were doing is crying, like, oh, my daughter, my daughter, my daughter. Because how we're going to shoot the show is, like, you crying, then a flash of where the daughter is, and then the bad people, what they're doing, and then a reaction of Benjamin Bratt, right? But the audition is just you the whole time. Well, that's really, really boring. But if you make it about me, like you're scaring me uh -huh. or make me feel guilty, then that's so much more interesting, right? So he did it and with this one woman. And that also makes the audience then care. feel it. Yeah, because so that energy is going. Yes, yeah. and so us, the viewer, the people uh. watching the audition tapes at home, we're like all of a sudden invested in care. And the reason I realized this, that was a big aha moment for me and I realized that this worked was because a previous pilot we had just done, the application iMovie had just come out, right? So I'm age, I always tell her, I'm 40 years old, I'm aging myself. <laughs> she laughs, I always tell people how old I am. Um, the application <laughs> iMovie had just come out, and Cast It had just launched their business. Mm -hmm. The company Cast yeah. It, and we were so excited to use it. We were one of the first people that ever used it, and we would put the lightning effect and the glitter, the glass shattering effect, the headshots. We'd make a go, <laughs> but we would do these funny effects at the ends of the scenes, and we walked with this fancy executive at the head of the studio to the end, to her car, and we won't say her name at the end of this test, the studio test, and we were leaving CBS, we walked to the studio's, um, the, to this lady's car, and we were like, okay, so what'd you think of this, this one role last night? And um, she was like, she was like, oh, it was really, really great. And all these other execs were standing around. They were like, yeah, yeah, they were really, really great. And we were like, nobody watched. Because if they would have watched, somebody would have commented on the Someone lightning or the glass yeah. or the headshot shaking. But in order to have seen that, you would have had to watch all seven minutes, meaning all three scenes all the way through yeah. to get to the fun, crazy effects. But we'd stayed up till 2 o'clock in the morning doing it, which is what was normal. We stayed up till 2 o'clock in the morning pretty much every night mm -hmm. at ABC Prospect Studios, where our offices were, where we did The Shield, the show The Shield. Uh -huh. But that's where we were also doing this pilot for this, this other studio and network. But, and so at that same time, we were also doing this other, this other show. And it was such an aha moment to be like, okay, I get it now. People don't watch tapes all the way through all the time. Fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. They probably don't. 
but they're probably going to watch at least a minute too, a minute through, maybe 30 seconds. But then you have about a minute or 30 seconds to hook someone. Yeah. And if that's all you have, about a minute or 30 seconds to buy in, if they're going to watch all the way through, what do you have to do in that minute or 30 seconds to get them to hook in, mm -hmm. right? You have to make them feel something, connect with them. And if you connect with them, make them feel like they care, yeah. then they're going to want to keep watching, right? But if you don't, if they don't buy in in that first 30 seconds, then they're not going to want to keep watching, right? Yeah. So I went back to realizing that, like, gosh, if you make it about the other person, then it works. So I started using that with comedy, drama. That's really great. Every yeah. age. And, and for I've the never most heard part, it really works. Yeah. Well, you, every, every time I've seen her give the note, it makes, it's a 180. Yeah. And it works. And with kids, and I was explaining it to kids last week, um, it really works. Like, I tell kids, you're professional manipulators. You do it every day. You get in the car after school, and your mom's like, how was your day? And you're like, fine. But if you want ice cream, your mom's like, how was your day? You're like, school was great. School was awesome. Yeah, it was good. And then your mom's like, oh, wow, my kid's talking to me. Yeah. They're like instantly engaging because you're, you, you want something, you're right? You're yeah. engaging, right? I'm like, kids are professional manipulators. I'm telling them, you always are constantly manipulating. You're constantly like... You're always manipulating situation. You're always engaging, and you're making it about the other person always, all the time you're doing that, Based right? on your motivation. Yeah. Based yeah. on what you want, right, of what person. So they're always doing that. And so if you just break it down and the kids speak, like, break it down for them, then they I feel like a lot of adult actors need to hear this Everybody stuff, needs too. To hear Everyone yeah. needs to hear because it. Because we are always manipulating in, always. in one way, shape, form, or fashion. We Always, are. but kids don't have like a ton of bad habits and they're not like in their head about yeah. it all the time. So it's real easy for me to teach I mean, it to They always say don't easy. work with kids and dogs because they're going to make you They'll look bad. Seen. Yeah, <laughs> Because they don't have that the that little yeah, they're not, in the back yeah. of your yeah. head of like, that was stupid. Why did you say that? There's no self-consciousness. <laughs> there's no. Yeah. Yeah. And the other trick I learned from Amber was... Um, and, and I think it was something that we've, we've, I've known but didn't know how to put into words, but it's we don't want to see the version of the character you think we want to see. We want to see what you're doing, what you would be in the character. Yeah. Because if we see 70 people in a day for one role, we don't want 70 of the same read. We want something interesting that only Is you it mostly would put that? into it. You, it can be. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing from that, and I learned this from Anthony Mindel two years ago, is that you're never going to play Lincoln at this point in your career, usually. <laughs> the reason why, at your high school, you don't have a grandma, so the kid will play the grandma, right? <laughs> right. So, like, you'll play the aunt, I'll play the grandma, because in high school, we don't have old people in our high school to play those roles, right? Mm -hmm. So, maybe she'll play Lincoln, maybe I'll play Martha, like, you know, I'll play, like, the first lady or something, like, because we don't have people, right? But then when we graduate from high school, when we're out in the real world trying to make it in Hollywood, we'll probably play the 18-year-old. So now that I'm 40... Yeah, because there are adults in the real world that will be play playing grandma. Roles, to play <laughs> exactly. those roles, yeah. right. So, so now that you see that, so right. So when I'm talking to people, you have all the tools that you need inside of your body to play. You have everything that you need, right? So you can access all of those things, right? So it's probably pretty unlikely that you're going to go out for the audition for the role of Lincoln. Now, Daniel Day-Lewis could probably go out and play Lincoln, right? So he has, and he probably could, and would, and will, right? Yeah. But it's unlikely that that I would, or you would, I mean, we're not actors, or you would, right? I'm pointing to a beautiful redhead in the room <laughs> that you guys all can't see, that she would go out and play Lincoln, right? I mean, it's not crazy, but it's unlikely, mm -hmm. right? 
So you're going to go out at this point in your career and you're going to play things that you're similar to. So your job is to just heighten the things that you're similar to that character and then the other things that you're not is just like push them down. And so um, I tell like young people too, like if you're going out to read for like a homeless kid who speaks... Um, who speaks with like a different dialect than you do. Like, sure, hopefully you've never been homeless, but you know what it's like to be hungry. You know what it's like to be scared. There's things that you can relate to. So you heighten those things that you're similar and the other things you push down, right? So there's different things you can, so you know, you have all those tools. So you're not ever becoming another character. You already are those things. And the other thing I tell people is the only reason we're having people audition and we're not offering the role out, we could offer out any of these roles to people. The only reason we're offering, the only reason we're having people audition is we want to see you do it. Yeah. We want to see what you bring to the situation. We want to see you connect. Discover something new. Mm -hmm. We could go offer it out to any person that we wanted to, but we want to see you in the situation. Have you seen many instances of characters changing in the piece because oh, yeah. of what somebody brings into the room? And, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just recently we were in a meeting and this creator said, um, "Yeah, of course I'm going to write this character. What I think it is, but." I want you and Danielle to bring me um, other things and other ideas of what this could be. That's why we like working in indie films because yeah. it's a fluid, it's a little bit more of a fluid process. Mm -hmm. Whereas in TV, there's already been a lot of notes, there's already been a lot of thought about who should be where and And it's why. a big lumbering machine. And Yeah, and there's a lot more, there's a bigger approval process. Mm -hmm. But in indie films, we're usually working directly with the writer, director, yeah. producers, so or a combination of those. Mm -hmm. And we could bring up somebody completely out of the box that we were just like, I swear this is an amazing actor. Uh, just see what they do with it. Mm -hmm. And it could change their mind about the role. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned uh, Anthony Mindel. Am I saying his last name right? We think so. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of those weird uh, spelling names. Uh, M E I N D L. Mm -hmm. uh, I had, I have gone to multiple classes of his. Um, I know one of the teachers there, Kevin Ostenstad. How do you guys know Anthony? Because you <laughs> are the credited casting directors on Birds of a Feather mm -hmm. in 2011. How do you... And we're, we're actually, he's directing another feature that... Is he really? Yeah, that we're... We helped on Birds of Feather. I think we did some additional roles yeah, casting. Had, there was just like a few additional roles he we helped. He originally him, conceived that as a pilot presentation and had to cast the, the main roles. And he, then when he made it into a feature, he just needed help casting the rest of it. Amber knew Anthony from... Did he call you in to talk to his class or something? Yeah, he called me in to like talk to his class. I actually just sat in the back of it. I was so blown away by... Um, there's so many... Uh, actors that are so set in their heads when they come in, like they have like a method and they're so, they come in so prepared how they think the room's gonna go and they come so set, like every line needs to be a certain way. I loved that we kept noticing like actors, um, like one actor being so great after the next, after the next, and then we started looking at resumes being like, oh wow, the common denominator was that they all had his name on the back of their headshots. Huh. And so same thing with that one headshot. Yeah, it would be the, like, gosh, this one headshot's so good. Dana Patrick. And it was the same yeah. photographer, Dana yeah. Patrick. And we were like, gosh, her headshots are so good, right? Um, and it was the same thing with him. And so we we're like, who is this person? So we went and sat in his class. Yeah. And um, to be like, what is he telling these people? Because they were so good at auditioning. And it was um, so, um, I think it was really his philosophy at the time was just sitting there being, um, being present and like doing the work and then 
forgetting all of it, leaving it at the door, and then just being present and looking at the person you're talking to, listening to them, and hearing it like you're hearing it for the first time, and just forgetting all of the work that you've done before, just leaving it at the door, and mm -hmm. then just being present in the moment, and forgetting everything you've ever practiced up until that second. Because newer actors stress out about memorization and yeah. getting the lines right, which should be 10% of it. That should be get that over with because you now have to figure out the character and the scene and your place in the scene yeah. and your purpose. A lot of TV, the purpose is to, to move along a storyline for the series regulars, for guest, guest actors. Yeah. Um, but it's knowing that purpose and knowing, knowing how to embrace it. Interesting, knowing your purpose as not just the, the character in and of itself, but as a what, whole, in the project uh, as a whole. Yeah, what yeah. a, a co-star yeah. is doing in exactly. a show. Right. They're exactly. moving that yeah. forward mm -hmm. for that right. main cast. Yeah, it's not knowing the huh. lines, it's knowing like the scene, and he's all about knowing that. Yeah, because I tell people, if people come in here and they're not off book, and they're really on the page, it's just, it says to me that they just don't care, because if we're reading the same role, say we have 20 people coming in for yeah. a session, today, let's over two hours. Usually by the eighth person, I'm off book reading that scene. No shit, yeah. Because you say it enough times yeah. out loud, and you understand the scene. Uh -huh. And a lot of times in TV, you don't get the scripts, right? So you have to piece it together. You can get your agent to get your, or manager to get you access to the other sides, so you can piece together, you can get a storyline, you can get a tone, an idea of tone. Relationships. Yeah, you can get enough of an idea, or you could, or create what you think could be the situation. Um, it's it's stronger. To, it's better to make a strong, to to make a strong commitment to something mm -hmm. than to just come in and just memorize lines and just do the scene, saying the lines yeah. with a little oomph. It's it makes more sense to like give yourself something to work with. Maybe it's wrong, but at least you're committed, and we know we can work with that. Sure, making those choices, making. Yeah. Because then you're showing that you actually did that have work. A point of because view. there's a work underneath that. You that have to have a point of view through. as an actor. You have to come in knowing this is how I see this guy. Maybe I'm wrong, and let's do it again, and let's do it different. But this is w what spoke to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And is it just blatantly obvious when somebody doesn't mm -hmm. have that? Oh yeah. Yeah. And sometimes if if they're just kind of not sure, and but they see something in them, we can. We direct them and yeah. until they get That's it. That's where right. the so casting director side comes yeah. into Right, and, and also, like, to put more on what we just said a few minutes ago, like, within a few seconds of even that person talking, no matter even what they did, all the work in the world, the person might not just be right. Like, yeah. they're never going to be Lincoln. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. if that's the character, like, mm -hmm. and we're looking for a, you know, 65-year-old guy, and that's the character, like, we are really casting Lincoln. Yeah. Like, at that point in his life If you're life not 6'3", and you're not and 65, he, and you're not... Right, <laughs> and if there's just certain things fit. about him, certain, yeah. char you know, characteristics and certain things that are just really important and things that he just innately doesn't have... Yeah then it's not going to be right. It's mm -hmm. just like there's nothing in a million years, as many times as we do it, he innately isn't, doesn't have that. It's not going to... Well, and I think a lot of people also right. forget the fact that they're going up against other people. Right, and that's it's also very portraying easy a real when, person, yeah. too. But um, So if it's a fictional thing that doesn't exist, which that's a, real, that's a, a true person, so a fictional person, you know, it could be anything, right? So And with fictional things, like... Even in our mind, um, 
we could say something's not going to be right too right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Like we're looking for a fictional thing right now that's a really particular thing, and we know in our minds right away when something is not right too, even with that really hard. This is actually a good example. We're looking for a guest spot in one of our series, and the description, (laughs) the description at first that we were given, they want somebody that looks Eurasian. He should be close to eighteen, early twenties. Um, otherworldly, uh, from far away. This is a, um, it's a, it's from a time and a place that doesn't exist. So it's a little game is a thro- game of thrones mm-hmm. in that way. Um, and we sent our first pass, and our the creator writes back, and he goes, um, "These good actors, but not really the look I'm going for. I want a uh, Slavic or Mongolian river phoenix." Easy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I saw three he, of them out there. At least he knows that yeah. it's not, that's not easy. <laughs> uh, but that's an interesting challenge. With blue eyes, originally. With blue, it has we have shocking eyes. blue eyes. They, they'll they're willing oh, yeah. to give contact lenses. Okay. So there's that. But um, but that's a challenge for us. Like I love that kind of challenge. Yeah. Because who doesn't want to find a Mongolian River Phoenix, right? Uh-huh. So. <laughs> but there's just so, a few people right away that yeah. like within seconds of them walking in the door. Like, Never in a million years, no matter what performance they gave, mm-hmm. they're not going to be ever right. Yeah. And I always have that thought of, as long as I find somebody that is otherworldly, odd-looking, cool, has a little sex appeal, is a great actor, that even if they don't look like a Mongolian River Phoenix, there's something about them that will catch their eye yeah. enough. You yeah, know, and 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 these and we still send them. This yeah, mm-hmm. this group of, of producers are particularly open to. They'll say no if they don't like someone. They're they're not pushovers in any way, but they. Um, but it's not like only send me yeah, half Mongolian, blue eyed, and, and, and they're collaborators, <laughs> yeah. which are our favorite people to work and with. And we still remember those fantastic actors for other projects. Yeah. So that awesome performance that that actor does, we build a good relationship with them in the room, and then we're really good about remembering that actor for another project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some people. The there's some people I've tried. There's this one guy. He's in Australia. He literally looks like if Chris Hemsworth and Billy Zane had a baby, and I'm dying to hire him. <laughs> but every time we try him, and I talk to Susan, our associate, I'm like, let's try him for this. And she's like, he is way too old. And I'm like, I don't care. I gotta <laughs> he hire needs him. to be working. Before the world knows who he is, I wanna be the one to hire him first. And he's worked in Australia, so it's not like we'd be first. But there are people like that. There's another actor that, um, that uh, every time he comes in, there's just something about him. He just works hard, and he has such a cool, odd look that it's just, mm-hmm. and it just so it's such a nice person that you just want to root for him. You like just, Milo Mannheim, when we met exactly. him, he came in for this like country music boy project we were doing for Disney Channel when he was 14. Then he like wasn't acting anymore. He didn't have an agent. And then a couple of years went by. We went to go cast Zombies, the musical, and he wasn't acting. We reached out to his agent. He was like, I don't represent him anymore. He doesn't even act. He's not acting. And we begged his mom to let him read self-tape. <laughs> and then, boom, he ended up getting when the role. you saw him in his school play. Oh, yeah. He invited me to go see his school play. play his, sorry, com- his community theater play in Culver City, right here in Culver City, uh, where our office is. I went to go see him do Rent, and he was the title character of Roger and Rent. I thought he was Mark. Nope. He was, he um, was Roger. And yeah. he killed it. And all these gaggle of, like, 14-year-old girls were, like, seeing what I saw. And he was amazing. He was like very thin, not in his body yet, in like the zombie-esque way. So when I could see that he could be a zombie, so when zombies came out, like when we were casting zombies, I was like, he's the perfect person to be like the zombie, the main guy, and um, boom. And then he did zombies, and then he went on to go very far in Dancing with the Stars recently, and now we're doing zombies too. And 
it was really great to to like see the vision and know that like no one else could be right. Like and he had to. Thankfully, be it. the the filmmakers, the producers and stuff, agreed and saw her vision too. Yeah. So in Disney, you know, when you bring it in, you got to have a united front. Yeah. 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 Well, I feel like there's something about casting that. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of the the idea of like, and this is going to sound bad, but it's not a promise. The idea of like hipsters being like, oh, I saw them first. I saw mm-hmm. that there's there's something, and I don't think it's just hipsters. I think that's just has been accredited to hipsters in general. But I think a lot of people have that in them. Like we like to show people, oh, yeah. Yeah, hey, look at this thing I found. There's yes. a there's a certain part of yeah. discovery that I think casting directors really. Yeah get excited about yes. and you guys have done a lot of that you've been yeah. you've been around for a lot of really interesting yeah. introductions of people into yeah. the world which I think is really cool which I mean we work in a lot of young I mean we did a Netflix show on my block mm-hmm. and those four kids the lead girl didn't have any reps she didn't have any training no. she didn't have any school no experience no credits and she, we found her through Actors Access uh-huh. and uh which any, if anybody listening doesn't know what that is, it's a service, breakdown services is something we use uh, to to find actors. And Actors Access is act, to find actors who don't have reps. I know so many actors who were like, no, I don't, I'll, I'll never use Actors Access again. But then you hear stuff like that. We found a lead of a Netflix series. Of a series Netflix series. Of Actors Access. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, we just like finding those diamonds in the rough just mm-hmm. because it's it's finding what the filmmaker is looking for and being able to to give them that yeah and um, and sometimes it, sometimes they don't have enough they don't they're too green and mm-hmm. it just doesn't work but there's the, there's something to say about it factor and watchability and and um, that star quality yeah that you can coach into the rest of it mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes there's always caveats <laughs> yeah with everything um, so I want to talk about sound of my voice. Sure. This was uh, your first feature working together. Mm-hmm. Um, Our first credit as a casting director. Yeah. Uh, directed by Zal Bet Monglage, mm-hmm. uh, written by Zal and Britt Marling, starring uh, Christopher Denham, uh, Nicole Vicious, Britt Marling, Davinia McFadden, Richard Wharton, and an honorable mention of one of Constant Wu's first uh, mm-hmm. features. Um, it and is, also Rachel Borson was the cinematographer, and she went on to be nominated for an Oscar. Oh, she shot that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's great. This movie, I really love this movie. I love Zal, I love Britt, um, Mike Cahill, one of their other collaborators. Oh, yeah. Another Earth is just... Another, I have three posters in my bedroom. Yeah. I have Another Earth, I have The Fountain, and I have uh, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, cool. I think... What they what they did with this one and what they did with another Earth, there was something that excites me about people who just go and fucking do it. They just yeah. go make a thing, and Agreed. and they're they also happen to be super intelligent and telling stories that are just yeah. that light my imagination up for sure. Yeah. You said you were from the get go were really excited about the script. Oh, yeah. How much did that excitement amp up when you actually sat down and met with them and started to hear them talk about the story itself? Oh, it was, it was, and from a casting point of view, they were very clear from the beginning of the, what they were looking for and the types of actors. And it's actually one of my favorite stories is um, 
we had it was all of our firsts. Like we, it was, uh, I think Britt had done another Earth. Yeah. But um, it was Zal's first, and it was uh, Hans Ritter was the producer, and we were like renting space from our old bosses. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had to work around their schedules to use the tape room. Um, but we had so much fun in those sessions. We would laugh so hard. We, we would all cry. laugh. We would. There was one point we were laughing so hard like we couldn't keep reading actors because we would just break. Mm. Um, but we all had the same passion. And one of my favorite stories is in the meeting that when I first met with Saul and Britt, uh, they there's a little girl in the movie, and they show me a yeah. picture from an ad from a catalog, like a Mark Jacobs ad. And so like this is our prototype for this little girl, and she's a little blonde. Uh, blue-eyed girl find them anywhere on any yeah. corner in LA there are a few <laughs> of them here yes <laughs> so we were reading um, this this character and there was a few fantastic little actresses and uh, at, I simultaneously had had that picture and a friend of mine worked for Mark Jacobs so I sent her this picture and I'm like I mean what are the chances right uh, you're, you're you're not gonna find this I just want to do my due diligence because this is his dream and so she's like let me ask the marketing people she sends it she comes back, she's like, this girl's in France. Like, this whole thing was in France. I'm like, all right, this is a $100 a day movie. That's not going to work. Yeah. Thank you. A week or two weeks later, she writes me back. She goes, actually, uh, this was done out in New York. And the girl is with Wilhelmina model, kid models in New York. Um, and she lives in Florida, this little girl. So we go through, find her. Um, I can't remember if it was through Wilhelmina. I don't remember the process of how we found her. We got her name through Mark Jacobs. And then we found her. And her mom was like, what do I need to do? I'll fly there. I got awesome. miles. Let's do that. Because she taped a couple times. Amber Skype coached her. Yeah. And she's so green. She had no credits. Thankfully, the little girl is in the movie. The character is on the spectrum a little yeah. bit. So yeah, yeah. you didn't have to be like too engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she flew her in for a producer session. The mom flew her in. And I was very clear. Like, this is $100 a day. No, you're not going to make more than this. And she's like, this is her dream. She wants to be in movies. I'll make that happen for her if I can. And um, and so Amber worked with her a bunch because she's so good at coaching kids. And yeah. and we got her there. And But there was this moment where she just turned around and looked at us, and Zal had caught a screenshot. So much so Zal made me be in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, she's in the yeah, movie. Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> You don't seem to be super happy about <laughs> it was so that. Awful. It was so awful. <laughs> but I he, broke he, he took a, a picture of her just as she turned, and he was just like, "This is this is her. This uh-huh. is it." Just the look in her face because she looks a little ethereal. She looks yeah. a little like Brit. Yeah. So um, it was just one of those things that I can't. I couldn't believe I got to give him his dream actor. That's cool. Yeah. It was, it was on that awesome first experience. pride, like that's the, that's the going above yeah. and beyond that yeah. you started doing. Oh, and we were we went because that <laughs> that character of I think it's Klaus is his name that kind of shepherds mm-hmm. Brit's character yep. around. I mean, we read any German accented actor in town, anyone with like guru looking hair. We walked mm-hmm. the streets. We walked the streets of Silver Lake trying to because like, <laughs> it's full of that saw, look. <laughs> we just stopped them. Yeah. And course like anyone silver like doesn't even doesn't claim they want to be an actor so they're all like no yeah that was so funny yeah Yeah, Zal we auditioned like all these people to be the museum guide with all the children at the end of the film Mm -hmm. and uh he was like no you have to do it and I'm like no I I don't I don't like being on camera I'm not an actor I don't want to be an actor and he's like no you have to do it and we kept showing him tape Britain's all tape and tape both of them tape 
and they finally got their way where I had to do it. They were like, no, I had to lead this group of, of children. Yeah. They so were, I was like wrangling the them and also trust. like keeping them in line <laughs> and keeping them like together. Yeah. And I had to tell these children facts about like paleontology and like they changed the script on her right before the scene. Danielle oh, was my on-set coach. Yeah. It's all like actual facts. Yeah. So we had to get it right. So right before the, the she gets the new sides and it's like the docent this came is over. not what I learned. <laughs> yeah, she like changed all the facts. Yeah. Yeah, the wardrobe lady wanted me to wear this whole getup, yeah, and I was like, I can't like, no, wear that. She wouldn't wear it. She's very difficult. So <laughs> I was just like, became a diva just it. immediately. The hair, makeup, and wardrobe. I'm like, I had to do my own hair, makeup, and wardrobe. Yeah, it's funny. So, how did this film change things for you in terms of uh, setting you off into a proper casting career? Because this was. This movie went to all the festivals. It did. It went to Sundance. It's yeah. funny. We actually, yeah. it didn't come out for a long time, so it didn't really change much for us yet, initially. Yeah. It was, it was we 2011 were, Sundance. Yeah. It okay. Yeah. And we had already been, because we had loved working with them so much and saw what Brit had, we had been, we had her, uh, tried to attach her, attach her to another movie. Yeah. Um, with Jamie Babbitt directing. And um, there was like a few steps along the way that it definitely helped us. It always helps having your name out. Momentum. In the break- yeah, yeah. Having your name out in the breakdowns. Yeah. Um, there were a couple movies that we yeah, just started we just like doing. So was- our name was constantly in the breakdowns on movies that were actually getting made, and even if they were small paydays, they were actual paydays. Yeah. Which made a which made a big difference. Um, I think I think one of the things that helped from that movie specifically the most was was the hope and the, that feeling of we're on the right path. If somebody that I admire, like Zal and Britt, that I look up to, thinks that we are good enough to do this job and mm-hmm. to work on yeah, this. Yeah, confidence. It's like, it helps build that confidence, and, and they really liked... They, our we, taste. They liked yeah. our taste. They made sure that we had... like We made sure they always had a good time, and they really appreciated that. Yeah. And so getting to work with filmmakers that, that we were excited to work with was the biggest um, the biggest step into all right let's keep doing this mm-hmm. yeah and we love doing it so I think it's infectious that you can tell we like what we do I can definitely tell that yeah, yeah. so yeah. I think the filmmakers like enjoyed spending time with us and like to be around us. and we and we learned on the go you know we made make there's something that goes wrong every project of there's course something yeah that goes awry there's there's things we learn I think some one of the biggest lessons early on was that taking people's calls and responding to emails is so appreciated and people think that's above and beyond even though that yeah. should be just it drives me crazy. common courtesy. We have this conversation all the time. It drives me crazy. And yeah. Like, answer your email. Yeah, we just it's been a, It's been 24 hours. Right. Why, why, you're not that busy. I love everyone here, right. but come on. Yeah. So that, <laughs> like, there's well, a courtesy in that. Right. Yeah. And that, I think, made a difference because... We were just nice to people, and and we would get recommend, recommended from different reps who weren't our reps. They just oh. would say, "Oh, you guys should call those those two girls are great. They they always do fun projects. They're really nice to deal with." And so that's how we got a few projects very early on. Yeah, and we learned also learned very early on that there are there are people we're not going to want to work with. Mm-hmm. So we need to start making enough money that we can say no to those projects. Sure. So that was a little bit of a drive there, too. Yeah. Of we don't want to keep doing stuff that we don't want to do. We there was a goal to. set. There was a, yes. this is the bar that we want to reach. Yes. We will get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. One of mm-hmm. our goals from the very beginning, 
Amber's goal was to work on a Christmas movie. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> which we are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're doing a big one. Are there any... Uh, this is going off my notes. Are there... I love the, the question of, uh, like, who do you want to work with in this town? Is there... Are there other... Are there nice anybody people. out there? Yeah. Okay. But are there any, like, well, oh, I really want to work with such and I such? I was very I excited. Do... When we got hired on... When we got the meeting to work on our freeform show, Motherland, it's uh-huh. Gary Sanchez was produ- is producing yeah. it. So that, to me, was a big oh, cool. Yeah. That, um, I was so excited because I just love what they do. Yeah. And that was... That was um, a big deal for me. We recently went on a meeting with Happy Madison and we didn't get the job, but that's uh, like, that would have been my child, my like teenage years. Yeah. Would have, um, would have been real excited about that one. Um, any of the big comedy people, I just, I just have Comedy, yeah. Is that, is that where a lot of your taste come mm-hmm. from? From the comedy yeah. world? I, I love, we do just as many comedies as we, we have. We do now. Yeah. I love, uh, um, Bialy Thomas. I love yeah. all her projects. Yeah, like, yeah. They just have a level of taste that I strive toward. Where do you think your tastes come from? Is there any, like, early, I mean, Full House, it sounds like, early on in life. Oh, I mean, that was just, like, one show as a kid <laughs> sure. that I, like, watched. But, um, yeah, But are I'd there any points of reference early on? Just as many comedies on? as dramas. I mean, I, you can't do that on television. It was, like, mm-hmm. probably, like, the show I watched every day that I could. I, I was a that. big John Hughes geek. So yeah. Uh, Coming-of-age projects are tend to be where we cross over the We have a fair bit of those, and yeah. We, um, and we love doing. And I think they're really important, especially nowadays, they're having better and better messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are understanding the influence that... Well, I think people are coming to age a little bit later than they used to, too. Maybe. I think that's a big part of, like, 20, 30 years ago, when you hit 20, you were like, all right, you're an adult now. Get your shit yeah. in order. And mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, you're 30. Now you can adult. Right. right. Oh. That's true. Um, but I think, what, so I think, I think it's having, an imp- yeah. having watched John Hughes movies, everybody looks real. Even the, yeah. even Jake Ryan, the most yeah. attractive man in the world, he still looks like a real guy. Mm-hmm. He's still not, uh, you know, polished and pretty. Uh, so I think I always had that as um, a template to work from to, to make sure everyone feels like they're actually in the world we're creating. Yeah. Do you think that's because the adult thing, um, explain that to me, the twenty thirty thing? Well, I think that, one, the world is completely different than it was even 10 years ago um, with technology, with the types of jobs that we're doing, with the idea of a career being something that you do for a really, like, people now switch jobs very often. People use their 20s to kind of do a bunch of different things and then figure out what that one thing is going to be where I don't necessarily think generations before had that luxury, mm-hmm. in a sense. Like, you had to just, like, okay, you have a child now. I know you're 20, but go make this survive. Like, you've got to keep this alive. So yeah. go do something that's going to pay you money. Yeah. And I also, yeah. I'm from northwest Arkansas. I grew yeah. up in a very, like, small community where that was most, everybody yeah. had to be that way. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I may be skewing that a little bit with the whole idea no, of being an artist and being... I think you know, that makes sense. The children of baby boomers were taught by the baby boomers that you yeah. have to get your job, you stick with it, that's At it. 18, yeah. Yeah. And and um, you should be lucky. Mm-hmm. Exactly. there is a sense yeah. of, of we should still feel lucky to be employed. Absolutely. But I think we, we were able to embrace our dreams a little bit. Yeah, more. It was a little and bit fumble more around a little bit, and, yeah. and, and it, it wasn't um, as important. At least when I was in my twenties, 
and I was working in the corporate world, I was like, this can't be the rest of my life. Yeah. This is not yeah. for me. Well, and so you two have worked with some really incredible casting directors on your up and coming, uh, like from Lisa Fields to Mary Vernou to Barbara Fiorentino. Am I saying her name right? Mm-hmm. Great. Did we work with Mary Vernou? On a project, yes. Okay. I'm positive that you okay. did. Okay. I don't, I, I don't recall Or you're, you're credited in the casting department gotcha. for Mary Vernou Project. Oh, weird. Okay. Weird. Yeah. yeah. So this is also uh, predicated on IMDb being, uh, IMDb being absolutely correct on things, and they rarely are. So <laughs> uh, take that with a grain of salt. But I know. IMDb always makes mistakes <laughs> on credits. Sure yeah. does. Um, but uh, you've worked with some really, oh, Carmen Cuba. Um, so who's your favorite? Uh, kidding. We no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> what are some lessons? Uh, there you my go. Favorite. Um, there, you learn something from every single person along the way. Even yeah. if we haven't worked directly on a project with somebody, we've had so many. We've been very lucky in that um, we've had a lot of people that helping guide us and give us really sage advice and and pay it forward in ways. We work with Spectre Vision a lot, which is Elijah Wood's production company. Yeah. And that is solely because of Monica Mickelson. And she introduced us to Daniel Noah, who's one of the producers. And um, we wouldn't have made that connection without her. Mm -hmm. And she always believed in us upon meeting us. And she's one of my casting heroes. So it's nice to, it's nice to be able to form those relationships with other casting directors. Barbara was uh, Amber's first boss. And she was... Okay. Rebecca, Barbara, right. and Wendy the, together. The, the three of them. Yeah. And um, and that's Rebecca Mancieri. Uh, Wendy that you say? Weidman and, and Wendy Barbara Tarantino. The three of them were collectively my bosses together. Yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. I worked, when I was getting out of a job I, I was miserable at, um, Barbara had hired me. And, and that was the first pilot I worked on. So I learned, um, I learned uh, you got to... You know, we, our first, my first week there, we had sessions on Saturday and Sunday because it was a, a one female lead and we needed to find the right girl. Uh -huh. And so I learned that kind of, it's important to, to scour thought process. Yeah. And with Carmen, I mean, Carmen taught me a lot of things, but one of the big ones was forming relationships and building and would, fostering mm -hmm. those relationships. And she would say to me, you should go be having lunch with all these assistants that we talked to because they're going to be reps one day and they're yeah. going to be making decisions someday and, and you should know them now. And so it, it's hard to understand that when you're working for someone because you, it's hard to, to get your own relationships because you're meeting yeah. through somebody else. Yeah. But that always stuck in my head. And when we first started, we just went to lunch with anyone who asked us. Lunches are powerful. They yeah, really it's are. Just, it's just good for people to know us yeah. uh, on a face-to-face -face basis and for us and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and uh, Matt LaSalle, who's a fantastic independent film casting director, he um, taught us how to how to stand up for ourselves in deals, making deals. Yeah, he helped us a lot. He helped us a film. lot. Is that a hard mm -hmm. hard It's hard for casting directors for people pleasers. Yeah. Oh, like, sure. We're workhorses yeah. and people pleasers. So you're so going to say like, yes. Well, we're like, you can pay us next year. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but he was very good about being like, yeah. you need to put this in your contract and you need to say these things and here's a paragraph template to if you need help to work with. Here's so, how to look after yourself. On that one project, he yeah. offered himself up to cast it with us. Yeah. Um, 13, what's it called? The um, Short Term 12. Short Term 12. That we didn't get. Huh. Um, so, so everybody we meet A lot of way, guidance. A lot of... Yes. Yeah. Has helped, has helped us um, form who we are. Yeah. Rebecca Mangieri, similar to Monica Mickelson, Rebecca Mangieri is a dictionary of actors. 
actors it's do one of those steel trap mines we're that not has, doing, yeah. Yeah. Yes. we're not paying it forward it's our help. encyclopedia not yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we're actors. paying it forward now um yeah so we when we can't handle a project or take on something new we you know hand it over to a peer of ours and cool and we try to refer as many people that we believe in and our staff our, we just uh gave steven a movie Stephen Tyler O'Connor yeah. associated the year last year, so we just gave him a movie um, cool. that we couldn't do but want to be a part of, and and those so girls we gave, we've given them, them the title. a couple cat couple movies recently. Those cute. I feel like yeah, getting yeah. opportunities yeah. breeds giving opportunities Absolutely, breeds yeah, lifting everybody else. We are not greedy at all. We will you. pass yeah. on projects. Recently, we've been passing passing on a lot of movies that were not available for um, that have come our way, which we're so yeah. thankful for. But we've been giving filmmakers really good casting directors' names and keep referring casting directors yeah. that um, that we know can that we know can do a great job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting because yeah. they're like they've been struggling to find work, and so yeah. it's been cool to like pass on. Because you're because you're not just giving actors opportunities; you're also helping yeah. build out well, the side of thing casting. Always says we're put on this earth to help, help each, each other. other. Yeah, I think we're all the same. I think so too. Being of service is is one of those like core values that I think yeah. more people yeah. could do with. <laughs> yeah, we're all yes. the same. Yeah. I think we're all yeah. just better to help each other. And yeah. Yeah. It all, and I always say it all comes out in the wash. I was talking to Cameron about that this week <laughs> one of our friends. Those southernisms. Yeah. yeah. yeah it true yeah, does. It's funny. She was like t- saying, she has a son and she was saying the same thing. She's like, yeah, once I realized that my son's going to be okay, then I was like, yeah, I, um, I felt like, okay, okay, yeah, it's good, it's good. But it's funny how you start to worry about like, costs of things and then you're like you know what it's all good everything's gonna be okay you know but it's easy to get like worried about things but then at the end of the day we're, we're very not sweating the small stuff kind of people yeah 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 well i feel like the small stuff all works itself out as long as you're paying attention to the things that you need to be paying attention to mm-hmm. you can't control all of it anyway so why stress yourself out so about don't it don't try <laughs> exactly yeah. um what do you guys think being part of a duo is better. Th- what, uh, I'm, I'm having trouble str- struggles wording this. You don't even have to finish. This yeah, awesome. we. I mean, I. I wouldn't want it any other way. I wouldn't want to do this without her. We. We not just a duo. Her as my duo. Yeah. We complement each other, and we're we have stronger assets in different ways that it works together really well, and we respect in each other so sense? much. And we're also, we're able to take on more projects because oh, yeah. if it was just one of us on our own, we'd never, ever have I mean, you've done before. over 50 <laughs> independent yeah. films in the past nine years. Right, it's and many series. We didn't believe that number, actually. <laughs> and then someone went to go write a story about us, and they were like, we were going to speak in another country, Canada or something, and someone said, they've written, they've done over 50, 50 indies. And we, we were like, like that's not true, that. don't say that. <laughs> Where did you make up that lie? And then we went the to their count, <laughs> and we were like, oh my God, it's over 50, mo- 50 indies. And we were like, yeah. oh my gosh. And that's not counting the television. No, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so the ones and all the movies that we've been working on for years and years yeah, and years that still haven't like, been made yet. Yeah, it's yeah. over sixty or something. It's cr- it's crazy for yeah. just movies and on TV. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing to have somebody to bounce ideas off of and to. I'm, I'm a Libra, so decision making is a question mark. And I don't and make decisions. Be able to no work with <laughs> somebody who makes decisions. Yeah. 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 And and <laughs> you know we, we just it's just, it's just a mutual respect. Yeah. And it's just more fun. Yeah, it's way more. Yeah, fun. I'm more of a I'm more of a team sport 
person than I am. I, I just may need to. Well, and you talk about collaboration. Um, and we'll actually jump into that. I want to talk about the idea of collaboration. Marie and I, we both work for a company called collaborator.com. Oh, we cool. are a, uh, a tech startup um, where brands and agencies, production companies, and source staff filmmakers. And so oh, cool. um, we actually kind of do casting in a, in a mm-hmm. little bit of a way where, uh, say, somebody's looking for a filmmaker in Duluth, we search find as many as we can, wow, narrow it down. Handy. Narrow, yeah, exactly, and narrow it down to here are three yeah. filmmakers in Duluth that can do exactly what you need for the budget that you've proposed on the day that you need it. So there's collaboration is a big part of what we do and big part of the reason that we kind of came into doing this kind of work. And it's a really big aspect to this industry in general. Like any other art form, if you're a musician, you can learn to be a musician on your own. If you're a painter, you can paint on your own. A sculptor is the same. But in this, you have to work with other people. You, you can't make a movie on your own. You can't make yeah. a television show on your own. It's just not possible. So after all of those words that I just said, <laughs> uh, I've got a bit of a two-parter. Um, what are things that make a collaboration good for the two of you when you collaborate with another team that comes in or with a, a filmmaker? Oh, I think it's, it's passion and belief in that project and needing that story to be told. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, our indie films have, I feel like, gotten more attention because even though they're ultra low budget and everyone's working for you know, coffee and hugs, we all are doing it because we believe in that project and we want it to succeed and we want to be proud and we want to show the world this story. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, love and passion is what makes it stand out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same thing with, I was thinking in a different way, we're collaborating right now with the local casting up in Canada. Mm-hmm. Our Canadian casting director, she's local casting on a couple of our projects shooting in Canada. We have four projects shooting in Canada, mm-hmm. and she's casting two or three of them. Two of them. Two of them. And um, it's really cool. We love her. Um, she's she like has an extension. amazing taste. She's an extension. Of, of our, our casting our office, office. Yeah. yeah. And also, because that phrasing we've used before about um, you working with casting departments at studios and networks. We work with Disney a lot, and Judy Taylor and, and her people are, are so amazing to work with and helpful, and uh, they're, they feel like an extension if we need help with something or if we, they give us advice. They're they, amazing. Yeah so, yeah, so it happens in a lot of different ways, and, and, and especially they're really awesome comes out when we need to lean on someone yeah. it's really cool it's like you think of the studio like casting office as like not being part of your team but if you need ideas if you need names if you need them to check avails if you need them to call agents managers like they really are like part of your office yeah. at and Disney Channel it's yeah. really cool Tiffany in, in Vancouver she texted me the other day and she was like just giving you a heads up so we have to find not just the Mongolian River Phoenix but he also has a little sister Eight years old. That's a huge part. Yeah. So she's like, I'm giving you a heads up. This is not going to be fun again. So get ready. So we're able, we have a shorthand and we're able to kind of give each other that. Yeah. And, and if she, I know she's swamped because there's so many small roles on this show. So when we get a script through, I'm like, let's send the breakdown through for her because I know she's got too much on her plate. Let's get her this off her plate at least. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's interesting because I, I actually had a question. We'll, we'll talk about a little bit of Disney now. Um, it's interesting that you talk about how working within that behemoth is, is a really good experience because yeah. a lot of people, I mean, you, you look, especially with all of the indie stuff that you guys do, 
the idea of going from the indie world to the biggest corporation yeah. in the world, more or less, mm-hmm. and I don't working. Know how many people actually do that? <laughs> no, <laughs> not a, not a lot. There are very few. <laughs> um, because it seems like two very different work styles. It seems mm-hmm. like very two different end products. It seems Oddly like similar it's, though. They are, yeah. yeah. The very very similar. similar. Very open to creative. They're very open minded. The best thing about Disney uh, Channel is that they're very forgiving and very understanding. That if this is someone's very first audition of their life, they're like, we want to meet them. She tells the Miley Cyrus story. I love is, that story. So um, when they were doing Hannah Montana, yeah. it came down to this one actress who had done sitcoms before, knew how to be funny, knew how yeah. to hit turns, mm-hmm. knew how to punch jokes, knew her marks, and Miley Cyrus. And so they were torn. Uh, the filmmakers were torn about what to do. And and um, and Judy has been doing this for so long that she just, everything she says is wise. And, and She casts Goonies. She's been around forever. And uh-huh. everything she says is not only wise, but it, it's... Help. It's actually helpful. Yeah. And it was one of those situations where you, when something's undeniable, you can't deny it. Yeah. So it's you have to go with this person who is just beaming with star quality. You you just have to. You'll teach her her marks. You'll teach her how to make how the terms. Yeah, all that technical can be. Yeah, taught, we have enough time that. But we'll, star quality we'll doesn't get, get taught. No. No. So you so the. Sometimes, you know, we always say default to the better actor, but in a situation where it's that clear, you you got to default to the undeniable. Yeah. And Peter Roth, the head of Warner Brothers, always says that. He always says, you have to bring me someone who's undeniable. So sometimes we'll see so that. that's something that we yeah. always keep in mind. Yeah. With young people, we'll, they're very open-minded to that. So we'll do big searches across the world, right? And we'll Skype with someone in Australia or whatever, and we'll show their tape, and we'll ask the studio, because they can afford to fly that person in, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll say, hey, we really want you to meet this person who's in Australia. We'll Skype with them, and then they have the funds to travel this person to test them, where the indie film might not have the funds to travel this person. So they're star makers. They have that ability. Yeah. So Although we can, the indie film, yeah, on the other true. hand... that's true. An indie film. It's called the Nashville story. We had to uh, cast a, it was an ultra low budget western. Uh-huh. It was maybe five people total in the cast. It was, it, it turned out to be a beautiful movie. But it was a lead female. And it's called uh, Dead Man's Burden. I think it was shot on film. Being called, changed names throughout the yeah. process. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was the final name. It was shot on um, 70 Shot on film. Ooh, it's fun. Gorgeous. Shot on 35 yeah. millimeter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we had, to find, this, we had to find this actress who could handle riding a horse uh-huh. and seems timeless and all these different things. And um, I, this manager sent me this girl from Australia. And I was like, well, it's an ultra-low-budget movie. Shooting on film, that's where all the money's going. So $100 a day, we can't get her from Australia. And she goes, her, she has a relative that works for Pontus. She'll get herself to New Mexico if you guys can, if you guys like her. Yeah. Um, does she have a visa? She does not. So... We can't afford a visa. Well, if you guys, like, it, it's sometimes actors and reps get it and get what an indie film can do to somebody's career, and they understand development. So when they are open like that and they are 100% willing, we're not asking them, they are offering this, I'm like, we got to see her tape. Yeah. And her tape, it, she just shined through her tape so much, and her name's Claire Bowen. She was wound up going on to Nashville, the, the TV show Nashville, um, and I think it has some kind of, like, singing career, too. Um, but because they, she we gotten her, she had gotten herself that visa for working in our show, then she was able to work 
and yeah. Indisa was a lot easier, and she was here in the States. She and took that jump. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so sometimes indie films have that kind of leeway, where we've gotten a bunch of people visas on indie films. Mm-hmm. We've got Luke Bracey, Lorenza Izzo, like a, a lot of actors, um, working actors now, uh, that we got them their, their first American job. Yeah. And, and that, that is always exciting. How do you keep track of foreign talent? Is it just people that you're seeing? It's all... I love this. So nobody saw that because this is a podcast. Of course you didn't see it. They both pointed to their minds. Um, <laughs> and like it's for, just it's still true. You guys are both... You have that kind of thank, mind for this? Thank God. We still have... I mean, my memory is starting to fail. Um, but Danielle and I do this really funny thing. I'll go, let's see if we can play it right now. Um, so you whisper, um, so we'll play this game. You whisper any, um, any movie, like a very common movie, into my, into my ear. Mm-hmm. Okay, just any movie. Okay. Okay, so, she, so um, he whispered a movie into my ear, and I'm going to see Danielle and I have this telepathy, whatever you want to call it, thing. So I'm, she's going to guess the movie with just like two clues. Okay. Uh, so um, she's gonna guess the, she's gonna guess the lead actor of the movie. Of okay, this is um, um, an actor. He and you're gonna guess either the actor or the movie. Okay. It was really really popular. Um, it's like an adventure movie. They have to solve something. There's been a couple sequels. Jones. There's um, a pyramid in it. Um, they've done a couple sequels. This is a bad example. Uh, there's like a pyramid <laughs> following. Um, we just did a movie um, over the holiday with him in it. We did a movie over, over the holiday. holiday. Over the Spectre Vision movie. He was lead guy. In it. Oh, Nicolas Cage, National Treasure. No. Was he in that? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, picked a, I picked a one that they had just remade, too. So, oh, I thought he was in yeah. that. Uh, Brendan Fraser was in the first. Oh, oh I thought Cage was yeah. in that. Yeah. <laughs> See, it doesn't work. I've never Sometimes. seen The Mummy. I thought Cage was in The Mummy. There you go. Well, there you go. I don't I know why that one came mummy. to my mind. So yeah. this usually works when she's describing... Our own personal experiences. Oh, you actors. remember that one thing that did, yes. was? The, oh, sure. Yeah. You have that shorthand. You remember yes. that that girl yeah. who flew in from Australia who was fourteen, but she looks like she's she's five. You know, like we'll we'll do. That. Yeah, or in a situation like that, I'll sometimes I'll say to her, you know, like the movie with the whatever. I'll say like two things, and she'll be like, she'll name it. It's like the craziest thing. She's so good. Well, we're just a little bit over. Not. It. <laughs> Took way more than two clues. In fairness, like you got what she was like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doesn't have to love the with Charlie. So we don't speak the same language yet. Um, we're a little bit over an hour right now. I want to be respectful of your time. Okay. Do you have a little bit of time for a couple yeah, more sure, questions? Yeah. Great. Um, this time has flown by. I've got a million more questions for you, but I do want to talk a little bit about Disney um, because I watched dis- dis- some, a Disney show. Oh, cool. So I need to make Which sure. One? Andy Mac. Oh, yeah. Um, it was created by Terry Minsky, uh, starring Peyton Elizabeth Lee, uh, Joshua Rush, Sophia Wiley, Angel, or Asher Angel, Lelon Bowden, and Lauren Tom. Um, you're nominated for Audios for this show. Uh, Congratulations Thanks. on the nomination for We're that. Very proud of this show. It's a really well and hopefully a made for your show. consideration yeah, for best right. casting for Emmy. Yeah. We're trying. Hopefully. We're trying. I don't know. We, we put, in our, oh. put in our oh. nominations. Voters, yeah, yeah, listen up, everybody. Um, <laughs> so this show is really well reviewed. It's described by many as an extremely well acted, heartwarming, and diverse coming of age story. Um, 
finding the titular character of Andy Mack and Peyton Elizabeth Lee and then having to find a woman who could conceivably be both yes. her sister and her yeah. mother, Challenge. which yeah. this isn't a real big spoiler. It happens in the first episode where she finds all this out. You can watch the show too. Um, it's a really great setup and it's really well executed. Yeah. Um, and sometimes shows like this tend to lean into cheesiness, uh, especially especially the... Uh, the adult actors on the show because they're playing with the kids and and it's something that this show doesn't really do as much right. it's well, there's a, a realism to this show yes. that I didn't I didn't expect because I don't watch a whole lot of Disney stuff well, I think there's a preconceived notions of what Disney is yes um, from um, the general public we have a very different view of what Disney can be and what they are are starting to become Andy Mac was their first uh, was their first uh, dramedy or mm-hmm. single cam mm-hmm. dramedy, um, so that was exciting to us. We had worked with Disney Channel before, but yeah. for this specific show, there was a few factors, and that was one of them that really drew us to the project. We knew that uh, there was going to be her friend Cyrus was going to come out of the closet, yep. which was huge huge pull for us. The yeah. child who plays that role originally passed on it, but Danielle yeah. and I had seen an indie that he was in. Uh, Gersh did a screening for us of this tennis film that he was in, and we thought at that same particular situation, we know the perfect person to play this role. We went to him, he passed, then we begged him, we called his agent, begged him to come in. He said he'd take a meeting, so he took a meeting, and then in that meeting, we said, will you please read for it? And he decided to read for it, and then he, he, we got, he got the job. Huh. So in that situation also, we knew yeah. who was perfect before he even read. Yeah. And there was two people in the pilot that we had to wind up recasting because of availability. But um, one of them, Storm Reed, who went on to do uh, Wrinkle in Time. Some and one things. Of them was Alan Ruck, <laughs> who, uh, from, um, from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So uh, the process was wonderful because Terry is an amazing writer and she's this big, big heart and she's fantastic taste and um, it was a very edgy. It was very edgy material for Disney. Yeah. She finds out her sister's her mom. So that was also very enticing to us. Mm-hmm. That we're like Disney's really um, breaking the mold here. Yeah. So we were drawn to that. Uh, the The show was written as a little neurotic Jewish girl, uh, and Amber literally read mm, thousands of girls for this role. It's close to like three thousand. Yeah. And um, Peyton was somebody we've hired before. We've always loved her, and. We kept bringing her in. We're like, maybe she'll be the friend. We didn't know where she fit. And then it kind of, we're like, let's try her for the lead. Yeah, she did read for Andy. Um, She read for Andy very early on. And then we, it was one of my favorite network tests we've ever had because the head of the network, Gary Marsh, sits in on the test. Oh. So she had come in. We tested her and two other little girls. She was 11, another little girl was 11, and one little girl was 13. And the, the, the description, the breakdown description was for a 13 She was turning 13 in the pilot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was her birthday. Yeah. And that's why I always tell actors, like, you just have to ignore the description of the character. Like, when you're asked to read, like, to come in, like, we want you. We're asking you to read for a reason. Yeah. Like, we want yeah. to see what you bring to it. And when she was three quarters of the way through the audition, the creator said, can I see the scene that she does? Where Gary she, said. Yeah. yeah the creator, yeah. sorry, the, yeah, Gary wanted to ask the creator, can I see that scene? Um, where she finds out that her um, sister's not her sister, her sister's her mother, and we were like, oh, she's never done that before. And he said, well, I want to see that. And we were like, uh, so we took her outside. Amber took her outside. Yeah. In two minutes. 
went over this scene. Uh-huh. Yeah, highlighted it for her once, and we I whispered it out loud with her one time, make sure she understood there wasn't any vocabulary she didn't understand, and she understood the scene. And then that's why it's really good for actors to practice cold reading. Um, and so she yeah. cold read the scene out loud, where she dramatically screams and that's very the emotional. Whole room crying. Really? She yells with just just she that two minute me. little like. Yes. She yells at me. How uh, could you do this? How could you yeah. yell at me my whole life? How could you tell? How could you lie to me? How could you pretend that like you're not my you're my you know when you're not my mom? How could you do this? And she's yelling at her mom and her parents who are really her grandparents. Um, and she starts screaming and crying in the scene, and she storms out, and there wasn't a dry eye in the room. Mm-hmm. Her, she's crying, and everyone in the room's crying. And that was undeniable. Yeah. Well, was this kind of uh, more realism casting a conscientious, a conscientious, a conscious approach to the show, or was that found through? Process. The process and through the actors I think that came in. It was a little in. bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's definitely yeah. both. She was. It was undeniable that like she was the best actor, the best right essence. And then we did an interview after too, where um, one of the executives at the, at the channel said to her like, "Do you see yourself in Andy?" And she said, "Yes, I approach things differently. I'm kind of shy, and I go about things differently, and I see myself in the character that like, I don't. I'm not a typical like outgoing, bubbly person. I'm." more reserved and like she identified with the person on the page too she saw herself in that person and like she really was a lot like this person on paper mm-hmm. in real life too which was really cool yeah um and so it was like art imitating life in mm-hmm. a lot of ways like she really was her there's a cute little picture on the wall behind yeah. you and then we and got the and then we had the chance to cast the family around her to match her yeah so whereas it was written one way we now are conceiving it a different way but the, the, my favorite part of the show is that it's just about a family. It doesn't matter that they're a mixed-race family. It doesn't matter yeah. that she's, she's of Chinese heritage. It just matters that they're a family going through this drama. Yeah. So I think normalizing diversity is, is upon us. That's Yeah, I think we're us. getting to that. So I, that's what I love about that Where show it's no too. longer the token anything exactly. in a right. role. It's just, oh, it just other is. human beings, oh, you just happen to be of Chinese descent. Right. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just about a family. And yeah. I don't know if that's been on TV before that point as far as an Asian family. Hmm. We're doing that another family. one of our shows. There's a girl who um, just happens to live in a wheelchair full time. She's not the title character. She's just one of the friends. We just cast a girl. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So she's one of the four series regulars on another one of our shows. Yes. And we had to do got to do a big search. Our, our associate spearheaded that and really killed it. He mm-hmm. found he found girls from all over the world in wheelchairs that were good and interesting and cool mm-hmm. and good actors. She's twelve and um, yeah. it's pretty interesting. That's I can't exciting. wait for the world to meet her. Yeah. She's amazing. So I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the OA. Yay! Um, I just finished season two. Oh, cool. We did only you, did season two. We yeah, we just did one. season two. We didn't do season one. Season one okay. was on the uh, East Coast, and so they did season ah. one. Ah. We just did season two. Well, you guys got a lot of fun characters yeah. added yeah. in this new season, yeah. which I thought was really great, because yeah. a lot of times you see a show like that that's just like, okay, we've got our story, we've got our characters, and we're going to stick to them. Yeah. This show is awesome. <laughs> These filmmakers are awesome. I, I want to mention all the actors because they're really so good. The, the cast that has been put together, 
Um, we'll try to stay away from spoilers and that sort of thing. Uh, so good. And all those series regulars, those were all A.V. Kaufman first season. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So but you we, can tell them how season yeah, two. So Kingsley Benadir, who was added to season two. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so good. He's so good. It just like it's so natural at being he's exactly what a, that character is. A real, real find. Yeah. He, um, I had known about him because an actress friend of mine from the UK. We were testing her on a pilot a couple years ago, and um, she was there's another character in the pilot. She's like, "Who are you getting for that?" I have a friend, Kingsley Benadire. You you guys would love him. Um, and I just always had that stuck in my head that. And I looked him up. He looked. He looks great. We already have people in mind for that role. Um, and then we cast the hundred on the CW. Yeah. So the hundred needed a role uh, that Kingsley was was right for. So I had him tape. And my Jason Rothenberg was like, "That's the guy. I love this guy. Let's do it." And then and Kingsley was with CAA, and they were like, "I don't know if we want him on the hundred. It's like six season." It was like they just weren't into it. So he wound up passing. Um, but he's always, always been somebody in my head. And when this character came out in season two, it took me a minute, like, of... Th- the way it was written, I thought we, he needed to be of a different um, background. But when I met with them, they were like, no, we want totally open. We just want the best actor, whoever it's going to be. And we're like, okay, great. And I had all these ideas, and I'm coming with it, up the ideas, and I'm not crazy. I'm not even crazy about them myself. And then in the middle of the night, I was like, oh, my God, it's Kingsley, it's Kingsley, it's Kingsley. So I send them, oh, I still had an old CAA pitch from the 100, and I had his read from the 100, and I would send this email, and I'm like, this is your guy, blah, blah, blah. I don't hear back. And then, like, to, we, were, we were having a meeting on that following Monday morning, and over the weekend, I was like, let me just send this in case I didn't get it before the meeting. In case you guys didn't get it, didn't get a reply. So I was like, all right, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not our guy. So I guess to the meeting, and so I was like, so I, got, I was like, did you guys get my email? Did you ever, is that, is that cool? and, and he was just like, I just wanted to see you in person. He's like, did CAA pitch him to you? And I was like, no, I didn't tell, like, we haven't started yet. So this is all prelim. Oh. This is just an idea. This yeah. is all, like, before we even started. I'm like, so I haven't done any outreach yet because we're not on the on the clock. So this is just off our, at the top of our heads. And um, he's like, because um, A.V. Kaufman was also on season two with us mm-hmm. from uh, remotely. And he goes, you know, A.V., discovered him uh, he was uh, she was casting a Muhammad Ali biopic that didn't go and she found him he had like uh. really tiny reps in the UK and, and he was going to be the guy and then the movie didn't go and he's like so we are actually already talking to this guy and he was bugged out that like the two of that both us and Avi came up with came the same to, guy yeah. and it just felt like okay this is crazy this has got to be our guy uh-huh. and he had self-taped from the UK and it was just Undeniable. Yeah. yeah. A lot of undeniable moments in yeah. this. I have so many more questions for you. <laughs> We're going to have to do this again. We didn't get to talk about Battle Creek. We didn't get to talk about oh, Brothers Keeper. Battle Creek. Uh, just so many things to talk about with the two of you. But Good I, it's Cheap thrills. Battle cheap Creek thrills. took years and years you, and years and years If you haven't seen yeah. Cheap Thrills... These two, but all these three yeah. are ex- exceptionally proud of. The three audience. that we're talking about here, Cheap Thrills, Sound of My Voice, and Live Cargo. So Live Cargo got into Tribeca. Sound of My Voice was... Uh, was um, you have to tell a Live Cargo story real quick. <laughs> no. That's, that's for another time. <laughs> oh, the Bahamas yes. story? Oh, yeah. So we got to, I got to do local casting in the Bahamas for awesome. Live Cargo. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. It was rad. 
we go around, yeah, golf we were in a We were in Bimini Island. The last thing that shot on Bimini was the last scene of Silence of the Lambs. Um, where Lecter is on the phone in yeah. tropical gear. Uh-huh. That was the last time something shot on that island until this movie. Cool. And yeah. tell them how you get locals to be in the movie. So we would, me and the director had written up a, a flyer and we just would, because it's, it's a tiny island. There's no yeah, everybody actors. knows everybody. We actually did find one actor working at the casino. Um, <laughs> he wound up in the movie. And, uh, but we would, we would just drive around in a golf cart because there's no like vehicles and hand out these flyers for an open call and just say, if you book this, you'll get this much a day and uh, we'll have beer at the open call. And my producer's like, I don't want to see this flyer. What are you saying to people? (laughs) I'm like, we're getting people to show up, aren't we? Yeah. And so we just, the first round of open call, we had about 40 people, I mean, 700 people live on the island, so 40 was a pretty good ratio. Yeah, it is. We had about 40 people show up and we just kind of chatted with them. like, do you know anything about like what? Tell us like about yourself. The local and, nurse came. Yeah, so we wound up hiring the, the local nurse. She actually didn't come to open call. We scouted her because yeah. we needed a nurse and we needed a tour guide, like a boat tour guide. We hired the boat tour guide. <laughs> Cook. Yeah. The, the, the bar owner that uh-huh. we go to the bar every night. We hired him. We hired his girlfriend. <laughs> we, we, just the people in town, they were all so cinematic. They were cool. such cool, good people. It's beautiful. And the movie's just gorgeous. Okay, I'll give it's it a Keith watch. It's Keith Stanfield and um, Dree Hemingway. Uh, and Robert Wisdom and Leonard Earl Howes. So there's a, the um, antagonist, and we auditioned a bunch of guys from here. And Leonard is known for doing like big, big sitcoms. Like he's a multicam kind yeah. of a, an actor that he's worked on. But he's he I knew him because he went to conservatory with a bunch of friends of mine. Okay. So um, so I knew he was a trained actor. Mm-hmm. And he came in. He came in, and, and again he's, he works on these big shows. And I was like, it's hundred dollars a day, ultra low budget. And he's like, nobody ever thinks of me for these kinds of roles. So cool. he's so happy to come in. So there's an opportunity in that for you as casting yes. directors to cast people outside the box that are which is stuck our, doing one thing. Which is some of our the whole cast was supposed to be sleeping on a research like yacht. Oh yeah, we all slept on the the. <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> we all slept on the like the most photographed yacht in the whole wide world. It was wild. Cool. But Leonard, um, this role we needed. It's somebody that felt he was Bahamian, and um, he's the bad guy, but he's like charismatic. And every, the the last line in this in the sides in the scene was every day we're hustling, right? So everybody would come in and be like every day we're hustling. Like they would they would do it like charismatic and whatever. Uh-huh. And Leonard does the scene and he turns around and he goes every day we're hustling like he did it so dark uh-huh. every day and he like repeated it and all of us got chills we like grabbed each other and we were like we couldn't believe how freaking good he was it was just it was it was just impressive to see yeah and and um so he's in that he, he got that role obviously but um and um and sweet Sam Dillon, he was uh, he was another one. There's a lot of like really interesting, cool people in that movie, and it's so funny because the Bahamas is literally the most colorful place I've ever been in, in my life, mm-hmm. and they made it black and white. Of course, yeah, because it's it's <laughs> it literally makes you focus on the story, sure, instead of everything, instead of being like visually uh-huh. assaulted by the color. This is actually Cheap watch Thrills. Cheap Thrills is one of those movies that every single person that I've told to watch it calls us to be like second yeah. oh my god I cannot believe the how second the screen movie. credits roll you will call yeah I love Sarah Paxton and I love David Koechner so David so. Koechner is another example of we needed somebody that's a, a bit of a name but um, 
it's not the it's four people in the whole movie so it's really it's an ensemble but it's the two it's Pat Healy and Ethan Embry are the lead leads <laughs> um, so, but David Koechner came on board because it's not what he ever gets offered yeah it's not his usual goofy or silly or multicam kind of character it is a way different character than you've ever seen him do yeah and it is rad how exciting is that for you guys when you get one of these so projects exciting. to be able to be like, you know who would be a weird idea for this? So exciting. That's got to be really fun. I ran into Ethan Embry on the street a couple years after that, and I was like, hey, and if you remember Danielle, I cast you thrills. He goes, he was with a friend, and he's like, that movie is the best movie I've ever done. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to talk about that one as the first movie next time I sit down with you yeah. guys, because we're going to have to do this again. Yeah. Watch um, it and email us. Yeah, okay, I absolutely I guarantee will. guarantee you're going to love absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, are there any places where people can follow you on the internets? Well, Amber is an influencer. You're no, I'm not an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> you can find her on Instagram. I'm not. Where do Mine's people become Instagram. followers of you? It's, I think it's just my name. I think it's just Amber Horn. Let me confirm. Um, we're not, Amber we're Horn. not like follower mongers necessarily yeah it's just sure, my name sure. amber horn i just had to look amber horn i don't think i've ever told anyone where to find so me funny. so just amber horn okay yeah, yeah. and Mine do you is, have any oh i have instagram but it's it's more personal it's, it's a little mixture of both mm-hmm. um it's a chili peppers lyric a name like danny california okay we do have a work one we do have a work one we just haven't really done anything with it <laughs> well now work? you've got all sorts of reasons i think it's too. audition gurus yeah our work but one there's like two is... videos on it from seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, our work one. There was an attempt is, made. There was an attempt made. <laughs> yes. No follow through. Audition gurus. Yes. We gotta we gotta get on that. Are there any projects that you guys are working on or that are or that are coming out in the near future that We're you're working on the Babysitters Club, which oh, is a cool. huge, huge deal. Yeah. It's um Netflix and Walden Media and um we're stoked. Yeah. Uh, and Motherland. Motherland on Freeform. That's the one with um, Gary Sanchez. Yeah. And just roll with it premieres this um, Monday, coming Monday, the nineteenth. Oh, that's a Disney Channel show. That's Disney. Ha- that's part improv. So they they oh, cool. the actors get the four series regulars get the script, and then there's another script that's handed out that to everyone else. And um, <laughs> at three different points throughout the show, a bell will ring, and the audience gets to choose what happens next, and the actors just roll with it. Yeah. Huh. It's pretty cool. That's so fun. So everybody we hire for that show has to have some kind of improbability. Yeah. So is that is that going to be that's going to be live streamed? That's uh, we are going to do. Uh, I don't know about there that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. there's talks. No, it's not because they're all shot. Yeah. So, Our audience, yeah. Um, everyone in the audience has a buzzer. Um, so, and then they vote and they decide what happened next. But there might be something that you just mentioned. That would be neat. Maybe. Yeah. I, I think interactivity in media right now is yeah. like it's the frontier. There's a lot of people yeah. trying to figure out how to play in Absolutely. that, and I think that's really cool. And our other Netflix show, um, The Healing Powers of Dude, is uh, the one with... Um, the Healing Powers of Dude? Yeah, it's about a, a kid that's battling social anxiety disorder, uh-huh. and he's just going back to school from being homeschooled, and he gets an emotional support dog. Okay. And the way that the and names the, the dog dude. Yeah. Love. Well, the dog was named dude. Ah, yeah. He the way that it's written, yeah. it's it's so. I think it's going to be so amazingly helpful for anybody who's ever dealt with anxiety because I've not. So it's very hard for me to understand huh. what it feels like. But you follow this kid, and basically he walks into school, and he starts getting anxiety, and you see 
through animation what he's feeling. Cool. In so his head. his head blows up like a balloon, so you start seeing that happening. And it's all live action, but they're going to do it with all special effects yeah. to make you feel what he's actually going through. Did you ever see Look Who's Talking, how the babies talk to yeah. each other? Yeah, yeah, So the dogs can talk to, you can hear what the dogs are saying to each other? The audience can hear, but the people in his life, in the dog's life can't. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that's where that little girl is also playing a supporting, another series regular, the one who's in the wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, and that show is going to be very, very it's special. It's fun. Like, the scripts are... It's just brilliant. Like on my the block, scripts are brilliant. On My Block and, and Healing Powers of Dude are both shows that will make you tear up and laugh each episode. Cool. Yeah. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Placing Faces. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, love, heart, thumbs up, and share this episode. Do you like us? Check yes or no. Maria Perry, producing like a boss. So many thank yous. Now a quick word from Ms. Perry. Hi, I'm Maria Perry, the producer of Placing Faces, and I'm just popping in to let you know that you can now find and support Placing Faces on Patreon. This podcast is a labor of love, and that means our production cycles are slower than we'd like when our day jobs get in the way. We're hoping to be able to get one more person involved and make the editing process a little quicker. And when you support us, you can join the community that we're building. Find out who we'll be talking to next, submit questions, and vote in polls about upcoming episodes. So find us on Patreon or check our website for a link at www.placingfaces.com. Placing Faces is powered by Collaborator.com, a media production service connecting media professionals to companies, brands, and agencies, allowing you to scale your production based on your needs, connecting companies and creatives seamlessly. We'd also like to thank our partners at the Casting Society of America, and congratulations to all you Ardios Award winners many of whom have been on this show. Check out those episodes. The CSA is a hub of information about this branch of the film industry. To learn more about the society and what it takes to get into casting, you can visit castingsociety.com. Thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And until next time, be well. Be well.